Welcome to A Whole Load of Property, Business, and Mindset, a podcast bringing together like-minded people who have an interest in all things business, property investing, and personal development, no matter what stage of your journey you're at. And now, here's your host, Dan Cooper. Hi, Dan. So, you know, thanks for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate you coming on. So this is actually the first podcast interview that I'll be uh, releasing to all the listeners. So I do appreciate that. So, you know, we met back in probably early 2020. We was actually on a mentorship. Um, we actually met and we become friends on there and obviously followed each other's journeys throughout in property, you know, doing a yeah. lot of similar things now, doing a lot of similar things now. But, um, you know, you've got quite an inspirational story for someone of, you know, your age, going back a couple of years as well, you was even younger. So, you know, <laughs> what I'd like to do is, you know, just just for uh, for the listeners, if you could just tell us a bit about yourself, you know, um, just so they can get to know you a bit better, a bit more back, uh, about your background, you know, what inspired you to set up a business? Why do you decide to invest in property? Yeah, um, yeah so just, just fill us in. Okay, Dan, all right. Yeah, first thing, thank you for having me. It's great to be on. Like I said, uh, I think sometimes you never realise these friendships are formed and they evolve over time, so it's very much what ours are. So, um, my name is Daniel Green. The, I think Dan introduced me briefly, but uh, I'm uh, currently we're doing me and my father are doing rent rent. I've got a decent sized rent rent portfolio around Coventry and uh, Lemton Spa. Before that, um, I worked as a quantity surveyor for some large uh, construction PLCs and uh, ended up specialising in building a lot of um, big high-rise um, student accommodation. And uh, for me, really, it probably will resonate with most kind of individuals. I'd, I'd read a book many years ago, um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and it talked about the different quadrants and being employed and my parents had always been self-employed. And um, I kind of I kind of got to a point where I graduated from my degree you know, I, I, I had a good job, I had a good degree, had everything. And um, I got a pay rise one year, and I think it was £5,000. And uh, I looked at the bottom line in terms of what I was getting on my salary. And, uh, you know, it was next to nothing. And I realised that I was working, as my salary grew, notoriously I my tax bracket grew. Um, and the hours I worked grew as well. And... It was a bit more of a kind of a quality of life, probably a bit similar to you, Dan. Um, you know, that was uh, I was after, and also a chance to kind of do something on my own. So that's it, really. Okay, so you know, um, you said you worked in construction. Would you say that is when you, um, you know, let's say you found your love for property, or was it before that? Because you you were a QS, right? So you obviously went down the route. Um, so was your was your degree property related as well, or did you just fall into QS uh, and then was, that's where was, you decided? It didn't so much go into like the intricacies of property. It was more around um, the specifics of construction. But I would say, yeah, kind of love of construction. Obviously, they're all kind of linked, really, and that came from being on site, you know, every day, seeing it, seeing it, um, seeing the building go from the ground up, you know, from a pile of mud, literally. Um, to putting the piles in, to building the structure, you know, all the way up to finishing it and kind of handing it over. And I saw these developers and, you know, and, and people and they were kind of, we were making, we were doing these big jobs, like big 50, 60, 
70 million pound jobs and us as a construction company weren't really making much money it was very stressful but these developers they were um you know they were they were laughing really all the way to the bank they were they were creaming it so i guess it kind of all kind of linked in got interested in property that way and uh then kind of stumbled across rent to rent and hmos really yeah so um you said there you left your job a few years ago um so obviously you, you must have built a substantial rent to rent portfolio and able to be able to do that um like you said you 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 received another pay increase so you went up another bracket so you know how was the transition from going on to a, a secure full-time salary to to running you know your property business full-time and i'm i'm in my early infancy so you know i only left my job about a month ago i think it was literally around a month ago now um so you know i'm in the early stages you're you're a couple well, of years on the line. yeah great great question uh well i still remember the day vividly because i'd made the decision to hand my notice in i remember i didn't sleep hardly at all that night and uh i'd had like the nerves like you would get like for example i handed it in i was like right great that's it you know i'm going for it i'm all in kind of thing let's uh let's go for it you know and i thought i got this great rent to rent portfolio had a lot of you know, someone working for us at the time had a lot of rent to rent you know and we were keeping them filled you know people were moving out but you know we we're keeping them filled keeping them ticking over and we i was all about the next kind of uh step and um and then i had a bit of a reality shock really um we had something called coronavirus or COVID-19 and uh, it kind of turned everything upside down. You know, I'd, I'd left the job and I took a bit of time off just to kind of get focused and then bang, COVID. And uh, we didn't initially see the impact to start with, but certainly after, after the one lockdown and we had the other lockdowns and then we realised actually that's when your business is, you know, you see the true strength of your business. Um, and, uh, you know, this great rent to rent business I thought we had actually turned out to be, had a few holes in it, which is okay. But, um, but yeah, had a few holes in and we've been working ever since to kind of claw it back and go on into survival mode and re-strengthen it really. So in terms of just, just for the listeners, what, what sort of impact was it? I mean, I know the government brought in regulations regarding, you know, evictions and, if if people aren't paying their rent, you can't sort of serve notices. There was delays in that. So did you find that some of your tenants took advantage of that or the new regulations or the new rules that came in throughout COVID? Or did you have a number of tenants that were happy to, you know, they, they kept paying, they were still happy to pay, but you, um, you know, there were other issues with, with uh, throughout your portfolio. Yeah, no, um, this, Everyone, I think, had a different situation depending on what city they're in. Some cities performed better than others. Some cities that were potentially lower demand, you know, were worse off. So the city we operate in was a lower demand city anyway. So it was very worse off. So we had like, I probably split it up into three types of individuals. We had some individuals that paid the rent in full, no problems. We had some individuals that unfortunately lost their job and then it kind of spiraled from there. They didn't pay the rent and you try and work with them, help them. But unfortunately, they kind of got themselves into that state and we couldn't evict them. So we had some tenants owners like six months rent. So it's quite a few of those. And then we had the third kind of individual, which was um, we had kind of international students and we hadn't done our own 
property due diligence and taking correct security and vice versa. And uh, and a lot of these international students, they just left, up and left. Didn't pay the rent, just left. And frankly, once you're out of the country, not a lot you can do. You can take a deposit, but, you know, it's um it's a small consolation in terms of that. And then we've just been, so we kind of cleaned the slate and then just rebuilt it. I've rebuilt it from then, really. Okay, brilliant. So um, in terms of rebuilding, did you have to take a, you know, big, hard step back and have a look at what, what you need to do, how to how to reconfigure your business? What what have you done then um, to reconfigure your business and how long did it take to get everything in order? I can imagine, you know, it, with all the added stress throughout COVID, trying to then, you know, potentially reconfigure, which means you're going to probably have more voids, take a bigger hit for, for a certain period of time. You know, there's the uncertainty, is it going to work? So what what did you do and how has it played out? Yeah, no, definitely you've touched on a few points there. Um, probably good to step back a bit as well. So on top of the, the voids and all the stress we had in terms of those three types of individuals I spoke about, we also had, um, you know, it's, it's no fault of the individual. We had a property manager work for us. And we know when, I think the phrase is, is when the tide goes out, you've been seen who's been skinny dipping. And it was very much that. So uh, when the market was kind of, you know, doing well and she was filling rooms, it was great. You know, we thought this is this is working well. And then it's only when the tide went out and coronavirus came in that we started to realize we had issues. So we had tenants with no contracts, tenants that hadn't paid rent in months, but we didn't know about it because she did the rent collection. And us as business owners were, frankly, we were quite naive. You know, we just said, gave her a bit of training. There you go, crack on with her. We never kind of managed or appraised or followed up or checked. Um, so we had to sort that out. So we had to sort that side out first. And then we had to sort the tenant side out. Um, where we sorted out the management side was, unfortunately, that lady who's no longer works for us. Um, we passed away. And we kind of backtracked with the tenants, got them to pay their rent where they hadn't, and got them to sign contracts where they hadn't signed, which is, uh, I know, easier said than done. But um, we managed to do that. And then to sort out the portfolio, we kind of um, we took an objective look at the portfolio. What HMOs perform well? What don't perform well? What are the reasons they don't perform well? So, um, especially on our early days, and it's probably relate to maybe some people that have had this. We were very keen, we were keen to get going, and we took deals on that we probably shouldn't have done. Pay too much for them, um, and people say, you know, sometimes you've got to. And yes, you know, there's that aspect, but you've also got to think, you know, you've got to. But if you're only making um, Five hundred pounds a month, or less, maybe, and you start to get some voids, or and you've got cost of oper- your operating costs. You know, all of a sudden, you're not making any money. So we had some of these that were just just dead wood in the portfolio. So unfortunately, we had to make the hard choice to basically get rid of them. So we had to have that conversation with the owners and just cut the dead wood. So we cut the dead wood out, and then about January last year, we made the. January or December last year, we made the choice that because there was not much, there's never been massive demand in our city professionals. There's two major universities. We need to swatch, switch the houses to students. So on the 1st of December, we issued about 50 Section 21s. Um, we had to give six months notice to the individuals. 
and we proceeded to evict 50, 50 or 60 tenants um, from our properties and then advertise to put students in, um, groups of students. And um, that was basically how we sorted it. So we swapped the professionals to student houses and uh, I've been managing that process and making sure people move out and getting it all ready. Well, I mean, you know, 50 to 60, section 21. So, um, you know, in terms of your portfolio then, how, you know, is that 50%? How many units do you, did you have at your peak? And if you don't mind me asking, what was the sort of overall cash flow or the, or the overall revenue for, for all of your units in, in the property portfolio? Yeah, so we had at our peak, we had about 110 units, 110 tenants, one room is one unit. And just to say, that um, wasn't built up over a number of five, ten years, was it? That was quite an aggressive growth over about yeah, two, three years. Yeah, it was a very years. aggressive take. You know, we took, we did it primarily most of it in one or two years. You know, like wow. it was like bang, bang, off we go. Um, we went from having a couple to going to loads. So you get the tipping points with that. And um, we scaled it back now to about 70. Um Obviously, we, we can go into some kind of numbers. It just ticks along now. So we actually scale it down to make more, in one sense. So it's with buying changes yeah. to students and getting rid of the dead wood. It suddenly became a lot more manageable, a lot more profitable, and um, just, just a better business, really. Yeah, and... The- you know, how long has it sort of been transferred over to the students? And would you say you've got a lot of your own time back as well? Yeah, definitely. Um, so December, we did the evictions. Or it might have been December time, January time, we did the evictions. And then we had the process from then till August, because that's when the students moved in, of managing people moving out. But the problem you face, Dan, is um, say if you're a tenant and I give you a give you a notice so you've got six months to leave it's very unlikely you're going to stay the full six months because you want to make sure you get your next place and find it so the problem we then had was people were like right well you say i can i need to move out so i'll move out in um, a month's time no worries but then you're still in coronavirus you can't fill the room so then you become you've got more rooms empty so you've got a bigger problem so you basically got to kind of get through that window so what we did um, we kind of strategized and we gave an incentive to people that lived in the houses. So we said, if you stay until this day, we'll give you a discount on your final month's rent. I can't think it was. I think it was like, um, we'll give you like £50 off per week for the final month. Yeah. So we'll give them a couple hundred quid off. Um, so it makes the last month basically £100, £200. And uh, we kind of told them that was the, our way of helping them. And they could then basically um, have extra money to go and find the next property. So some people took us up on that. And it's great. Some people didn't and left. And we had to fill it. Um, and so we've been managing it for probably, you know, six, seven months. We've kind of been managing it, you know, to the pace we are now. Obviously, a bit, not a bit more now. Um, but when we move in, we had a few teething issues. But then it's just, it's just passive, like hundred percent occupancy. You know, happy days. You get a few maintenance issues. We had a lot. Of, we still had international students, but we learned our lesson um, before. 
So we had a lot of international students and they paid 12 months up front. So obviously that's good for cash flow. So we had lots of income up front and just it works just generally much better as a business. Um, so sometimes you have to go back to go forward, I think I realized. Yeah, and I guess, you know, for, for everyone listening out there, you know, business isn't always easy, is it? There's There's a lot of challenges that you'll face and it's a case of, you know, if you're still growing, if you have to take a step back, because taking that step back, you you know, you will, you know, reevaluate everything like you did, reconfigure, and then and then obviously push forward with with the new strategy. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's this dynamic environment, yourself, isn't it? Yeah, sometimes you got to ask yourself, kind of like, um, you know, is this right? Is this working? You know, you know, you know, you've got to measure. I would say, you know, how can how can you know if something's working if you can't track it and measure it? So we were naive of that. Obviously, it was working when the tide was in, but when the tide went out, it was obvious that the strategy didn't work. You know, it may it works in other cities, and other cities weren't affected, but for us, it didn't work, and it just kind of grew our love for kind of um, student lets. And we've even, I think it was, I was telling you before this, um, we were letting houses in October this year for 2022, you know, and they're let till 2023 now. You know, so where else would we get that kind of that like eighteen months in one sense of rent, you know, secured? You know, we were on the professional HMOs. We were we were they were moving out every six months. So then what you start doing is you start doing shorter contracts. Obviously that's deductive. So you do three months. But then they're moving out on they were leaving at the end of the three months and very staying longer. So then we've talked about it many times. The churn just became so much, especially when you had a lot of units. You know, we're getting like ten people a month, maybe, maybe more, maybe it's no slight less. It varies. Ten people a month giving their notice. You know, so that's ten rooms you've got to fill every month because otherwise you've got to think that's five hundred pound a room. It's five thousand you're losing a month off your off your top line. So every month we were we were constantly battling, trying to fill rooms, trying rooms. And uh, it's stressful. It's just hard work, and we just we just couldn't manage it, frankly. Yeah, and um, you know, yeah, I can imagine it's an absolute admin headache having to do uh, having to deal with that. And you know, I suppose you know the sort of the way people look at HMOs are this, you know, really high yielding, high cash flowing, amazing properties. You know, let's get rent to rent. You know, it'd be easy. You'll be able to quit your job in. You know. A few months get two or three rent to rents and don't get me wrong that that can be the case or that probably is the case across um you know across some areas but it's it's not the case everywhere is it and like you've experienced yourself you've had to um you know like you say the high churn you've had to pivot your business which you know is credit to you and your dad because like i say i know you're both in it together um and it must have been tough times for sure yeah really tough i mean at one point we had uh we had like over fifty percent of our rooms empty, and just know what we could do. You know, there was just um, the one or two inquiries coming in, but you know, we just we just couldn't do anything. You know, so we had to kind of think. Yeah, rent to rent is a very powerful strategy, and HMOs are a very powerful strategy. But there's a there's a difference between what performs on paper and what performs in the real world. You know, there's a there's two different things, and there's a reason that you don't see big blocks for professional accommodation you see big blocks for student accommodation you know there's a reason for that and obviously yeah. the reason is as we explained you know 
these big pension funds and they won that income and these big student companies, you know, they're switched on. And it's obviously it's that. There are more students every year. The universities it was providing you, obviously, you pick a, a good university. Um, a lot of universities, they're getting more and more applicants. They're growing the, the number of students. So why wouldn't you, um, you know, do a student HMO? And frankly, you'll probably laugh at this. A lot of the student groups look after the houses better than the individuals. Granted, we had some dog, some in, interesting individuals, as as you can see, um, but they look after it better because it's like their own house. They treat it like their own house. And then we got, say it's a house of five, so you've got five tenants or one contract, five guarantors signed up to one contract. So, you know, from a risk profile, um, you just do better off in terms of financial, but also from a risk profile, you're so much better off as well. Yeah, you're mitigating that risk, aren't you, by getting the guarantors? Um, I remember being at uni, that was it. And, and explaining to your parents, saying, here, yeah, could you uh, could you sign this paperwork just in case I don't pay the rent? But I suppose students as well, you're, you're fortunate that student finance fund it, or a lot of it anyway. So um, Yeah, you've still, got, you, you've still got to do your check. Yeah, of course. It's like, um, you've still got to do your checks, and we do our checks and the guarantors, because, you know, when we, when we did individuals and we did students individually, we were like, oh, yeah, we need a guarantor, and showed you how switched on we were. Um, and we didn't pay attention. Um, but some of the students guaranteed the rent themselves. How does that work? Or they got their their friend to guarantor it, who's a student as well. So then when you start getting issues, like I talked about, and you go to call in the guarantor and you realise it's their mate Joe down the road, who's a student at the university as well, there's not a lot of chance you're going to get your money, is there? You know? so, uh, so, yeah, so that was an interesting one. But obviously... You learn, don't you? It's expensive, but don't do it again, do you? Exactly, yeah, you're not going to make the mistakes again, are you? So, like I say, everything's a learning curve. Every day's a school day, but um, yeah, you seem to have begun to school a lot recently. So, um, well, know. yeah, it seems like in the last, uh, obviously, you left a, left a job and then it was like bang, like you're kind of thinking, what have I done? Like, you've gone from, a, as you might say, a safe, secure job, you know, a nice company car, good pay perks to the business where you're fighting for survival in the midst of a wealth pandemic that you no one's ever seen before you know and this business is what paying you your income you know so uh you certainly learn a lot about yourself and you so there's times when you question yourself but you know the people that have adapted and and changed are the people that come out stronger you know they could come out stronger businesses and that's us you know I'm very proud to say that. Oh, brilliant. Uh, and, and you've done a great job, obviously. I've been speaking to you a lot, watching your journey. Yeah. And, and like you say, yeah, you, you have really transformed it and, and going further. Um, and like you said, then, you know, leaving a secure job. But I guess when when you're doing your rent-to-rent business, or especially when I was doing my sort of, you know, my sourcing on the side, it was, you know, I'd be doing a few hours in the evening, in the morning, I'd get up early, some weekend stuff. But because you know you have that, you know, that salary coming in every month, you know sourcing fees come in etc they stay in your business yeah it's fine but when you leave your job it becomes a, a must isn't it it's a need you you, you must yeah, I mean, you must achieve xyz there's two ways isn't it yeah i mean if someone said to me about they want to leave their job i say yeah but you know make sure you kind of you've got your base income covered first would be my opinion some people yeah. might disagree with that 
Um, but, you know, you need to have um, a plan in place because, unfortunately, you know, it's a tough world we live in. It doesn't always go to plan. Um, so you need to kind of you need to understand what you're going to do and how you're going to do it. And to be honest, you probably you'd be shocked at this. If I was to do it all again, would I start with rent and rent? Not sure. I think a very good way to start. It rent rent is still a good way to start, you know, low income. Um, but it can be quite can be quite quite a big job yourself if you don't run it yeah. properly. And you need to make sure you get profitable deals. I mean, I've told you some of our houses are uh, they're mega profitable, like like unreal. Um, they're like bringing in like fifteen hundred pounds a month plus net cash flow, or is that net, net, cash, net flow, cash flow? Yeah, after everything, after bills, you know. Um, you know, they're just, they're just, um, like one of them brings in, I think, like £1,700 a month, and it's let now till 2023. You know, and just to put that in perspective, you know, £1,700, that's, you know, let's say net salary, that's probably 20 odd thousand pounds a year. That's that's some people's salaries yeah. across the country, especially if you're early in your most, so, Yeah, definitely. It's our most, um, popular HMO well and the reason it's the most popular is because it's up to the students you know um so uh, so there you go but yeah. yeah and and with regards to you know the quality of HMOs just going back to when I was at uni so I joined in 2011 and 2012 was when I moved into a seven bed house with six other lads so you can only imagine you know what that was like but the the HMO there we had um you know, no heating. So it's a free story. So I was on the top floor. I used to sleep in about, you know, five layers with a duvet and a onesie, anything I could get my hands on because I used to wake up in the morning and see my breath for about three months until over Christmas it was sorted. You know, magnolia walls, um, you know, sort of the wood chip wallpaper. So, you know, a bit of a grotty HMO to be honest, but your, yours are completely the opposite, aren't they? You know, and I'll share um, your, you know, your details, your social media profiles on, on the show notes at the end, just so people can have a look at the quality. But, you know, you get interior designers in to help on some stuff, don't you, on some of your projects? Yes. So it's important to add, our HMOs never used to look like they did. So like when we first started, you know, everyone evolves. So... We did, you know, the, the standard stuff, canvas photos, and and then you start to kind of see what other people are doing, and you get more of an inspiration design. Then it came to a point where we we thought that you could do it yourself, and you, but it takes a lot of time, and you, you and no matter how much I try, I can never match it as well. Or you could just employ someone. So we found some uh, interior designers, kind of got an arrangement with them, and they'll come. They'll do like an initial design of the house, paint, things like that, and then uh, we'll get it all done, and then they'll come and stage the house. We just take stuff to the house, and then they basically they um they set it all up, put all lay all the photos out, dress all the rooms, and then that's when we take our photos. Um, but it doesn't cost a lot, you know. I was going to say, is it expensive to do that? We, just just for people starting out, or uh, no. No, but I mean, we pay them, uh, not, I can't remember exactly what we pay them. We pay them a fixed fee depending on the size of the house. Yeah. Obviously to cover their time and bits and bobs. And the way we kind of, they're an early, a newish company, but they're very experienced directors. The way we kind of struck it with them was, um, 
we gave them a copy of the photos, the professional photos. So it's like an added benefit for them for their portfolio. <clears throat> so we kind of kept our costs down that way. But we use in shops like, um, obviously Ikea, as everyone knows, but we don't use Ikea that much. But we were getting bits from Ikea, JYSK, Donelm, Matalan, you know, like just basic stuff. But when they put them all together, it's got the wow factor for sure. Yeah, and, and I see that in the photos, like I say. I think one of the recent ones, instead of, you know, the paint job you did, it was sort of like half and half, but including the ceiling, wasn't it? You was basically um, painting up half of the room all the way around the ceiling, like banners. Um, yeah, yeah was, like was, a stripe, wasn't yeah, it? That yeah, was it, like, a it's stripe, like an yeah. orange stripe that goes up the wall and then goes across the ceiling. The painters weren't too thrilled about doing that. But, yeah, it's just amazing what you can do with paint and how you can make a room look. And, and then when you get it, get the room like that and get it dressed professionally and get the photos taken professionally, then that's it. You've got them forever. And you, you know, and it just goes to help improve your product and rent your product really. Yeah. Brilliant. So, um, you know, we've, we've touched on a lot about your rent to rent portfolio, your HMO business, um, you know, the challenges you faced throughout COVID and, um, you know, just, just the growth of your business to be honest. So what, what you're looking at now, you still, keeping with you rent to rent hmos are you know you've downscaled you downsized a bit on them are you looking at any other projects at the minute um i've i briefly remember you saying you know you're looking at some flips is is your strategy to flip are you looking at buying a, a you know a buy to let portfolio yeah so um we realized after going through coronavirus that um we had all our eggs in one basket which you know you know obviously basic portfolio management which is not, not great. Um, so we've had to diversify a bit. So we've got the rent to rent and they're just ticking along. Um, and, you know, why would you give them up if they're profitable? So they're ticking along. So we part them to one side. Don't require much management. And then um, we plan to do, well, I think you know, Dan, in lockdown, we bought a house, um, uh, a run, very rundown house in Strathbunaven to refurb and flip and sell it on and uh, my father ended up moving in because it was so I was nice. say you didn't sell it on did um, you and, uh, <laughs> no no it didn't didn't go to plan once uh once my mum kind of saw how nice it was and and uh my dad you know the amount of work we put in with the builders and everything uh it just was too hard to let go you know um it was just uh and they're, they're very happy there and it's i mean we only talked about we got it valued the other day and the valuers uh, were so impressed with the quality. So um, we really enjoyed that. So so keep the HMOs, get some flips, keep, get some flips going and, and work on that. And then also, um, I think for yourself, you know, that's the right to say, we're looking at building yeah, yeah, um, a, a portfolio kind of up north with some buy-to-lets, <coughs> excuse me, um, some cheaper buy-to-lets because that's then diversifies again from the HMOs. And uh, so we have the portfolio of the HMOs, the flips going, because the bytelets are very, I mean, what's your experience with your bytelets? They're just passive, aren't they? Yeah, so um, obviously I've set up a property management and letting company as well to, to do the management. So obviously I'm, if I was to pass them on to an agent, you know, they'd be more passive than they are. Um, however, prior to that, we did self-manage as well, but they did sort of just tick over, you know, we used to get someone to do the tenant find and once they moved in, you know, um, it was more, more the case of, um, you know, if we needed to get access for like a builder or we needed to, for example, one of our properties we bought with solar panels, 
So every quarter we need to get um, just the meter readings, you know, that was the sort of level of interaction that we were having. So, you know, can you just ping us over the, the meter readings? And to be honest, although it's only a, a, you know, I think we bought it for 39,999. So just below the stamp threshold. So we had it refinanced. We had a tenant in for a number of months. And just with that property, you know, let's say it cash flows, I don't know, about 300 quid a month. Every quarter we were getting over 100 quid just from the, the feed-in tariff, you know. So it's, it's only minuscule, but over the year, it equated to like a month, a month, a month and a half sort of cash flow. Now, you know, that's not going to make you a millionaire or really rich overnight, is it? But it's them little added benefits that, you know, that, that are contributing. But that was the sort of level of interaction we were having with our tenants, you know, um, not a lot. And, and some of our tenants or one of our tenants, we, we bought a free bed and they were trying for a baby and said, look, you know, we enjoy being, being your tenants. Do you have anything else? Fortunately, we had a free bed and now they've gone into to our other property. Um, and they've been in four months now and I think I've spoken to them once. Yeah, yeah. Students are a bit like that. Once you go through the hassle of getting them in, they just kind of sort themselves out. Um, but yeah, I mean, my family, I have a couple of bicycles and one of the tenants been in for like 15 years, you know, and she'll pay the rental time every month. And uh, she said, the only way I'm moving out is in a box. You know, Perfect tenant. You know, they just, yeah, perfect tenant. She paid every month. She's an elderly lady. She loves it there. Happy days. But yeah, so get some of the get the bicycle portfolio up north. Makes more financial sense that way. Get the flips going, and then I think I said to you before we came on the call, um, we've kind of my experience of surveying and and just the connections. Like I looked at some kind of developments, they weren't kind of the right things for me. Um, but uh, we've kind of going through the student process. You know, I'm leaning towards a bit more purpose-built student accommodation, which is feeds into what I actually used to build. Um, but I just can't help find sites. Um, I don't know why, but it just, just, it just seems that I was showing you one, wasn't I? A warehouse yeah. in, um, in uh, Nottingham. And, uh, you know, an amazing location for students. And it's just sat there, just waiting to be developed. So, um, you know, try and pick a few of them up. Just enjoy it, really. You know, and produce that good quality product that we produce in the HMOs. Produce it in the flips, produce it in the student accommodation, and uh, I think the people will come for sure. No, definitely, and especially in Nottingham, like you say, Nottingham is a is a brilliant student city. Um, you know, I, I spent many nights out in in Nottingham. I used to go to Leicester Uni, so it's just down the road. But yeah, it's, it's a fantastic city for students for sure. Um, you know, just con- conscious of the time as well, and just getting to the uh, t- towards the end. But you know, with regards to everything you're doing now, you know, did you see, did you see yourself being at this point you are now um, when you started out a few years ago? And, you know, it's something that, you know, property can be quite a lonely place. It, you know, there's a lot of people in property, but, you know, some people that you find out that you're doing a journey on your own for a while, you know, because, you know, you're fortunate you've got your dad, I saw on my own, I've been whole, I moved to Hull. So when I moved to Hull, I didn't have any friends, you know, um, pretty Still don't have any now. You know, I've been here almost five years. <laughs> no, I'm only joking. But, um, you know, do, do you feel that, you know, because you've left your job, it has helped you accelerate the way you have because you've needed to? Or is it, you know, what, what's your sort of mindset on on finding opportunity? Do you think it's because you've worked hard? Is it a mixture of luck? What would you say it is? So the first question you asked was, uh, you know, did I think I'd be where I am? 
And the question to that, I'm a, I, you know, I put, put a lot of um, demand on myself, you know, you know, like, um, so when I left, I literally thought that was it. I was going to do like an exponential curve, you know, and off we went, happy days. And uh, so I thought I'd be a lot further along, you know, I thought I'd have all these, hate, I'd own a load of HMOs and I'd have this big business and, and uh, so you got a bit of reality check with COVID. So, so probably I thought I'd be a bit further along. One. that was the first question in terms of um work and things like that yes i would say i've definitely accelerated the process by leaving but i would also caveat that that um you know we're talking about the learning place but i do still miss elements of my work i mean you, i don't know if you feel the same obviously you've obviously only recently left but i still do miss um that kind of the camaraderie I used to have with some of my friends in the office and the thrill of doing these big projects, you know, uh, and you were, you know, you kind of, although obviously I chose to leave and it was the right decision, um, sometimes it's a bit strange, you know, when there's just a couple of you compared to if there's a small team of like 10 of you, you know, um, so yeah, so I think if you, people are going to consider leaving a job, you need to really make sure it is the right decision because, um, unfortunately, the grass isn't always green on the other side. You know, I don't want here to put people down, but you just need to think, you know, is it really truly what is the right decision? Yeah, no, wise words. Um, so, you know, that probably just links in quite well to the next point. So for those who are starting out in, you know, I say business or property, any business probably. So this, this isn't just a, you know, a podcast focusing on property only. Um, you know, when I first started or thought about starting up in property, I never looked at, you know, property and business as one. You know, I either wanted to be in property or in business. I never really put the two together. But, you know, you're running a successful rent to rent business, which is obviously property related. So for those starting out, what what tips would you have for them people? Um, you know, depending where they are in their journey, whether it's at the beginning, whether it's sort of, you know, many years in, what what tips do you have for them or what what advice would you give? So, you know, it's good to draw an analogy between business and property because they are linked, you know. Ultimately, you are running um, a business and you must run it like a business. I would say the biggest piece of advice I could give to someone was when I started, I was so paranoid about not making a mistake, you know. I had this belief, you know, I couldn't fail, uh, not making a mistake, you know, everything had to be right, you know. I would measure the distance between the house and the bus stop you know, well, that one's a bit further away, that won't work. But really, I think I told you, Dan, the, the best advice I could give someone was that, um, you know, activity creates the opportunity. You need to, you need to just, um, you need to just get out there and just start getting cracking on with it. You know, obviously you need a bit of, ed- you need a bit of education, which you can get from books, you can get from online, you know. And there's um, podcasts. Get a bit of basic knowledge. Yeah, podcasts. Yeah, get a basic 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 information behind you and then just start getting out of there you know looking for deals or, or developments you want to and um and then that will create when you start to get there and you'll learn more you'll meet different people you push yourself out of your comfort zone and then you'll, you might get something or you get further and then that will start to develop a bit of self-belief and when you get a bit of self-belief you know they can do this this works then that will develop the momentum and it will spur on you know I mean, in the past, I've waited to um, dot all the I's and cross all the T's. 
and then thinking that will give me the kind of the belief that I can do it. But really, what I realised, and this has only come you know, recently to me, you just need to get on and do it. Like, like that's the hardest thing you can do is getting started. Just get started and start doing it. The rest will follow. Yeah, and there's the cliche, isn't there? You know, start now, get perfect later. And I think I was a bit, um, bit similar in the, in the fact at the beginning. You know, you don't want to mess up. You're new to property. You'd probably overanalyze things. You'd probably try and mitigate the risk as much as possible. You're putting in extremely low offers, which you know, um, just to cover your risk because you want to make sure it's the best deal out there. You know, yeah, there's money out deals, but if everyone's chasing your money out deals, you're never going to grow as quickly as you want to because you're not going to have any income. If you're buying one deal a year, you know. Imagine if you sort of reduce your sort of criteria a bit, you know, and could could acquire three or four a year. You know, the compound of that income is going to make you accelerate your growth a lot faster. And, you know, yeah, taking action. I, I remember doing about four or five months just intense learning YouTube videos, you know, anywhere and any, anything I could. But then I didn't really learn as much until I got out there, you know, walking around the property, looking at what issues are wrong, Googling the issues, you know, understanding how much it would be to you know potentially refurbish this property now i can pretty much walk into a bar to let and be there or thereabouts on the refurb without even taking notes you know mm-hmm. and that's that's come through yeah. viewing i don't know how many houses i've viewed quite a lot and now i have a builder who does all the work for me i sort of know his prices so i just got previous quotes for the works that needed so you know i totally agree with taking action get out there and, and self-belief believe in yourself go ahead you know what's the worst that can happen you muck up. You they say no. They say no. Exactly. But, you know, if, uh, I mean, I still go through this now. I tell myself, um, you know, if you feel like you haven't succeeded yet, then you haven't failed enough. You know, as simple as that, you know, there, there's a book, a very good book called, you know, Go For No. And it literally is about just going for no. And every no you take, you're one closer to a yes. You know, yeah. and it's the same principle. But it's the same principle we talked about, like, with Bartonet. If you want to go and build, um, say, the list, someone's listening to this and they want to go build a uh, hundred bed student accommodation or something like that, a hundred, hundred apartments, it's the same principle, you know, um, and it's the same principle in business, you know, once you take that, it will go into everything, you know, you don't need to, um, there's so much information online, but also there's so many people that you can talk to and ask questions, you know, um, and asking questions and gaining knowledge is, is the key. You have to think people like architects, main contractors, you know, QSs, you know. These people have been doing this job for, you know, some of them 10, 20, 30 years, you know. They're so experienced, you know. Go on there from their experience. Go and ask them the question. And uh, But obviously that won't come unless you take the action. And, yeah. No, I think that's a key point. And like you say, I think the property let's say the property sector, especially, you know, among investors, um, sources, developers, anyone out there, you know, they all started somewhere, you know, they, they weren't, they, they, some people have been doing this game 20, 30 years. Do you know what I mean? They, they didn't start where they are now, you know, so they've had to learn. And what I've found is a lot of people are out there are happy to share their knowledge, give you nuggets, you know, and that's why I started this podcast because starting it out, if you are on your own, can be a bit lonely. And I learned a lot from podcasts, from uh, from listening to different podcasts, you know, and just picking up one sort of golden nugget, you know, can change your mindset or change the way you view something and can help you in your business growth. You know, I remember I was trying to focus on, let's say, property investors and, you know, people say, I want all money out. I want this, I want this. You know, I was making my life difficult, you know, 
I, yeah, I'll yeah. revisit. You know, if if I'm gonna source an all money out deal, am I gonna source it on potentially? But nine times out of ten, I'll probably take it. Do you know what I mean? So, sourcing, um, you know, for for business owners, for example, you know, they they might have a lot of retained profits in their business, and they don't they can't take out more dividends. They pay more tax. What can they do with it? You know, I focus on working with business owners who can grow their portfolio or build portfolios, you know, using, you know, retained profits in business because they can sort of do it into company loan, you know, without paying the tax on it, you know, sort of thing. So it's, I've, I've sort of pivoted, pivoted and focused on a different clientele or a different client base to grow portfolios for. And, it, and it's worked, you know, so like you say, it's, um, I can't remember the original point now, to be honest, I've just started waffling on, but... <laughs> but no yeah it's just going back to the point taking action getting out there and just and just learning just yeah you are gonna get no's be resilient you know build build your resilience yeah when you when you get told no you know after about 10 times you just get used to it is it wants to and i mean i was telling you excuse me i only i was in nottingham the other day trying to trying to get in touch with this this vendor for this warehouse just a knock on 15 doors. So thought you was a dodgy, you know, dodgy window glazing salesman. I mean, yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah. Um, did get a few, few strange looks for sure. Um, people kind of peered through the door. Kind of, uh, but yeah, just, just knock on the doors, you know, so you know anything. What, what can they, can they help me with? You know, some are really helpful. Some are not so helpful. Some didn't know a lot. But, you know, if I hadn't got out there and taken that action, I could still be waiting to, you know, for the, the golden bullet, you know, in one sense, the, the person, the vendor to come to me, but that vendor's not going to come to me. I need to go into them. And same, same with property. But, you know, just to kind of recap, you said about the all money out. And that's what I wanted when I initially started, you know, all my money out. I want to, I want to make a thousand pounds a month and all my money out. Happy days. But my mindset's changed completely. I now look at, you know, what is the return I'm really getting on my money? You know, um, all money out is amazing, but it's once in a blue moon type of thing. You know, if I'm getting 10, 15% return on my money, that's a good return. You know, you know, you have to think, where else could I put my money that would get that type of return? You know, not many places. You know. See, not the bank. Yes, you could put your money in the stock market. Yeah, you could put your money in the stock market, but, you know, You've really got to know what you're doing for that, or you could have some, which is you know, which is why we talked about the buy to lets, you know, for us. Um, or we could have someone we know, like, know and trust. You could finance these properties, add to our portfolio, and provide a nice quality family home, and just take along, and it becomes another income stream. And it's long term as well, isn't it? It's something that you know, when I'm looking at my figures now. For, for our own portfolio yes we obviously want to achieve a, a good sort of net roi on our money but you know we're not in this for two years we're not trying to make all the money in two years you know we're looking five 10 15 20 30 years ahead you know i'm only 28 you know 30 years i'll be 58 hopefully i'll be in a you know a lovely position where you know i'm fortunate that i don't have a full-time job now but you know a lot more freedom that's why i'm doing it I'm, and i'm sure you're doing it as well you know, you want this portfolio to have the freedom to be able to do what you want when you want. Yeah, choice. Choice, choice is a yeah. big word for me. You know, if you want to work, you can work, but you have the choice. You know, I still enjoy, especially with construction. I still enjoy construction. You know, 
but if it's something you're really passionate about, wouldn't you rather have the choice whether you do it or not? You know, whether you go on holiday or not. You know, when you go on holiday. Um, and uh, it's not. Some people it's about making money, but for me, it used to be about that. But it's not about that. It's about choice, and then it's about what that money represents and what you do with that money. You know, and uh, how you can make a difference to your life, your family's life, and, and other people. You know. Yeah, definitely. What's the point in building this big portfolio? Yes, you you've got a great amount of wealth, but um, you don't do anything with the wealth, then that's that's failure in my eyes. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And uh, like I say, one of the reasons, and, and there's nothing wrong with having a full-time job. I enjoyed working. You know, I, I've had great teams. I've worked in sales. I did really well, you know, fantastic bosses. But it was the choice. Like, there was times when uh, I was working away, you know, three, four nights a week. We just had the, our daughter. Obviously, she's just over two now. You know, I missed her role for the first time. And it was that was the the thing that started to affect me, the fact that I might not be there for you know, her sports days or some of her events or some of growing up, I want to be the dad, you know, that I'm with her all the time, you know, so I can have that freedom. Like you say, it's the choice, choice to do what I want to do um, and spend time with my family, you know, and everyone has their why. Everyone has different reasons for doing what they're doing. You know, you've touched on yours, I've touched on mine, but there's nothing wrong with working full time. There's nothing wrong with doing business full time. You know, it's, it's up to everyone. Everyone has their own choice. And it's, it's like you say, it's what they, what they do with that. Yeah, completely agree. You know, I think you hit it nail on the head for sure. Brilliant. So, sort of coming to the end now, so I just want to wrap it up. But, um, you know, just one question What would you say your biggest achievement to date is, um, whether it's in property, whether it's, you know, outside of property? It could be in any any walk of life, you know, any any sort of. Yeah, no, um, good question for sure. I would say. So you've got to look at it objectively for sure, don't you? You know, especially if you're someone like me. Um, but uh, the biggest achievement we've had today, some might say it's leaving a job, but for me and taking that risk. But for me, it was um, to bring a business back from being on the brink of collapse to thriving through a national pandemic. You know. Victim 50 tenants, putting in groups, you know, getting rid of the deadwood, all of that, you know. You know, I'm extremely proud of what we've achieved. And uh, we've obviously, you know, fortunately, you know, we've been rewarded for it. We've got a business now that is passive, literally. Like, for the amount of HMOs we have, we don't really have, a, you know, once they're in, those students, it just takes along. It hasn't always so been passive, <laughs> Oh, and, and that word gets thrown about a lot, doesn't it? Passive income, passive income. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, yeah. Um, that's subject. No, not when you've got 10, 15 tenants moving out a month. <laughs> you know, you're thinking, oh my life, what am I going to do? You know, you stress out your mind constantly. You know, churn is the biggest, a good friend of mine says, um, he's, he's very right, churn is the biggest killer in the HMOs. You know, your occupancy is what determines your profitability. Yeah. That, and it's so true. Like, it's, it's not talked about, but it is the biggest, most important point. One of the most important points for sure in the profitability of HMOs. But yeah, they just um, tick along now, but for sure has not been passive. We've had um, maybe another podcast, but we've had some interesting stories, let's say that, with tenants um, over the years we've been operating HMOs. Brilliant. And, um, you know, I don't like to use the word 
failure. So I'm not going to say what, you know, what's been your biggest failure. I'd like to call it a learning because I think that everything, you know, depends how you're looking at it really, isn't it? Is, you know, you might not achieve what you set out to be, or there might have been a, a huge challenge or a stumbling block in the road, but you know, it's a learning curve. Everything's a learning curve. And I suppose if you look at it like that, it's doing what you did, take that step back and then look at growing forward. How can you, how can you go forward? So what would you say has big, been your biggest learning to date? No, another good question. Um, so I'm going to give two of us right. One was yeah. um, what I mentioned earlier in terms of the activity creates opportunity. And by doing it, that's what developed the self-belief, but not just waiting for it and that won't develop self-belief. And, I, and ironically, I only picked that up a month ago. You know, I kind of knew it instinctively, but it wasn't until I was talking to someone she was saying uh, it really kind of hit home for me. And my other biggest one, would be um that's the biggest learning would be if you're gonna employ someone you can't just give expect to just give them a bit of training and let them crack on. It doesn't really work like that. And that was naive of me. And you know, I learned a lot as a business owner. You know, you've got to put that structure in place and the way you track and measure and help that employee, you know. If you just say, ego, crack on you're going to get problems on you. And obviously that shows them what we had. We didn't, we had a business. We didn't really understand the business and manage the business. And, um, you know, fortunately we got quite, you know, we managed to sort it. But if that kept going on, you know, tenants were no contract, tenants hadn't paid rent because we were just, we were just like, yeah, yeah, this is working. Could have been a lot worse. Could have been a lot worse. So, you know, that was my other biggest learning for sure. Brilliant. And, you know, I'd like to say, you know, it's been a very sort of honest podcast. You've you've uh, discussed all of the challenges or a lot of the challenges you face. And I think it's it's quite important. It's imperative for people to basically, you know, hear about these because not every day is as bliss as it seems to be, is it? Um, you know, we're not trying to put a dampener on it. You know, there's been fantastic times. You've come out the other end now. You know, um, it is it's a brilliant sector to be in, isn't it? Property. I love it. You love it. Hence, you wouldn't be in it if you didn't love it, would you? Um, but you know, yeah, it's been a very insightful and I'm sure that the listeners have, you know, gained a lot of value from this and, you know, some, some might be in a similar position. You might've been able to provide a bit of information that they've taken away from this and they're going to implement in their business. So just want to say thanks for that. Um, and if people do want to get hold of you, Dan, if, um, if you want them to, that is where, where can they find you? Yeah. So probably best to, um, well, you can find me on Facebook and uh, um, Dan the Green, you know, or probably the best place to find me is on Instagram. Um, uh, my Instagram name is Dan Green underscore property. Um, it will be changing soon because as I spoke to Dan, we're evolving our Instagram, so it'll probably be changing. If you listen to this bit later down the line, change to Heavy Spencer. But yeah, for sure, follow me, catch on there. You can see, hopefully, see some of the HMOs we've got. And, uh, yeah, follow along. Brilliant. I'll um I'll share the details as well in the show notes as well, so people can just click on the link and find you that way. But you know, um, appreciate you coming on, Dan. It's been fantastic. You know, we we speak a lot outside of this forum, but you know, I wanted to get you on because, like I said, since meeting you, you've had that you know aggressive growth. You've faced challenges and you've implemented new strategic sort of measures within your business. So, you know, I like, appreciate you coming on. Thanks very much for that. Um. Yeah, so hopefully 
maybe we can touch base, um, do another podcast, maybe in the future and see how, you know, what you've discussed on this, your plans on your developments and, and your sort of buy to let portfolio, sure. you know, we can probably pick that up in the future and see how, how that's developed. Yeah, sure. Yeah, please. Um, it's always a pleasure sharing with you, Dan. So, um, but yeah, be happy to share as the more struggles and keeping it real as we go along and what we learn. Hopefully we can, um, help people, you know, as well. Brilliant. All right. Thanks, Dan. Well, it's been amazing and I'll, uh, I'll catch you soon. Yep. Cheers, Dan. Thank you. Thanks for listening to a whole load of property, business, and mindset. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And if you like the podcast, please share it to others. In the meantime, to connect with Dan, follow him on Instagram at dancooper1992. Until next time.